Uh, hey, Rapids fans. Uh, this is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. You just listened to 35 minutes of dead air. The Colorado Rapids did not show up in their game against the Philadelphia Union until after the 35th minute. We decided to follow suit here at HTHL. Uh, joining me now for belated and late-starting PIDS group therapy, Rabbi Mark Goodman. It's good to talk to you, Matt, although I wish it were under better circumstances. I went through the exceedingly ridiculous act of watching the first half of the match right before we did this podcast because I was at work on Saturday night and couldn't watch it. I just opened my phone and went, six? And that was basically, you know, and then I drank something alcoholic and went to bed. So that's where I'm at. Matt, what's your reaction to the game? Um, I mean, shock and awe, and in a way that kind of, like, basically ruined my week, Mark. Like, I was so, like, we're not doing the banter topic or anything, folks. This is going to be very, very brief in terms of the time that Rabbi and I get talking. But, you know, I was excited. We were going to talk about, you know, the Rap Kids and the Academy and everything. I was going to tell you about the Rapids Media Cup. I had a baller first touch on a ball that was completely unintended right to Marcelo Balboa to spring a counterattack and everything. I got to hang out with Eric Stitson. Um, Eric and I agreed, Mark. Uh, I've already decided the name of this podcast is going to be Walking Wounded to the Salad Bar. I will explain that to you off pod. I will explain that to all the listeners who aren't Eric or Megan Kavanaugh um, on a later episode as well. We don't really have time for any of that banter, Mark. Like it just it, it ruined my week. I wanted to go to Rocky Mountain National Park because my annual pass is expiring, and last weekend was the last weekend in August. And I just woke up on Sunday and I just wasn't feeling it. And I lazed around and I did a bunch of adulting, and I feel really crap right now. And I'm not feeling great about Wednesday. So. I'm not going to do the whole rundown here, folks. The Colorado Rapids lost last Saturday at Philadelphia Union by a score of 6-0. It was the third game of the year that Philly has won by six goals. It's the seventh game they've won by six or more. They did have a 7-0, so Philly did not stick the extra point after scoring the touchdown. Daniel Gosdell got a hat trick. Three other guys scored a goal. Two of those six goals were off of penalties. One of those was completely deserved. Anthony Markanich loses his man in the box then pulls him down from behind. Uh, the other penalty that was drawn I thought was really really harsh Gustavo Viasia gets two really unnecessary tactical yellow cards that gets him sent off in the 35th minute uh, those fouls were unnecessary just like the Brian Acosta two yellows from the Houston game he did not need to foul in that situation the team was actually okay in setup and he could have done things differently in the 10 to 15 seconds prior to that foul that would have put him in a better situation to the point where he didn't need to give up a yellow card uh, Rapids go down a man Danny Wilson gets subbed out for an injury, I think, in like the 25th minute. Mark, this was really, really bad. Where do you want to start with bad things? Uh, yeah, I mean, wow. It's uh, I just did a quick recap online of, of what I was watching. Knowing that we were going to lose, I could focus differently, I think, which is a really interesting thing to, to kind of do, which is to watch a game where you know the result and focus on different things. What was bad about this game? I mean, a lot of the players who we kind of we're giving a little bit of extra run. I mean, the starting lineup included Ralph Prizo and Gustavo Viasia and Anthony Markanek, and I don't think any of them looked good. Matt put his thumbs up for Prizo. Prizo was fine. He wasn't he wasn't good, he wasn't bad, but like there weren't a lot of people uh, um uh one of our favorites here, um Sam Nicholson was also in the starting lineup and he didn't look very good either. Um a couple of first touches that were bad playing the ball. Um not to his man, ideally. Like, 
we didn't have a lot of time on the ball or a lot of opportunities. And when we had an opportunity, we flubbed it. There were a lot of like touches that went, went a little bit awry, first touches, first passes. Um, and then defensively, it was the same thing where like, as you mentioned it, like Markanic had a, had a play on a guy. Um, he just totally whiffed on Oliver Mbizo. And then um, shortly thereafter, because he didn't really play defense, uh, Viasia pulled Mbizo down in the box. It was a soft um, PK, but it was still like, you know, two guys playing defense poorly. Um, and that was honestly, that one play was probably paradigmatic of the entire game like any one series the rapids coughed up it would be like three passes and then a flubbed touch or um philly would launch two long passes and the rapids would fail to mark the guy running into the box and Gazdog would score on the first goal and like there was just a lot of that where it was like the defender wasn't tight to his man the attacker wasn't settling the ball properly like there wasn't really anything good about this game from the Rapids perspective they didn't do anything particularly well they didn't press well in the opponent's end they didn't handle the press well um I guess the last thing I I guess I'll say is what I put on Twitter which probably nobody saw because nobody wants to engage with Twitter uh of a pundit of a team that nobody's watching anymore because football season starts next week and the Rapids are basically dead in the water but like we really, and I think this is the most important thing to say, Matt, we really look like a USL one team playing an open cup versus an MLS team. Like we really didn't look like a team that was in the same league as Philly. And that might just be that Philly is the best team in MLS right now. And it might be that the Rapids are moving towards being one of the worst teams in MLS, because by the way, DC has been, you know, a little better in the last couple of weeks, despite being dead last in the league. Or it could be a combination of the two things. Matt, you have any comments, reflections, thoughts, sermons, counter-sermons? I mean, uh, th- there's no doubt in my mind that that first half was the worst first half in the Robin Frazier era. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, um, Jason uh, Maxwell and I were talking about this post-game, and I think we kind of came to the conclusion this is the second worst loss in club history. You know, uh, you know, I, I think it's worse than the Joe Nasco red card because you had the emotions of what the LA Galaxy are dealing with, with uh, AJ De La Garza losing his son, I think, in the week or so before that. You know, and then you lose, you know, you give up a penalty, you lose a goal keeper to a red card and everything and you know six seconds into the game you know it's going to be bad but like at some point you have to acknowledge that the team was not ready to play the team got kicked in the face what 10 minutes into the game with the goal going in and there was no adjustment did you say it was the second worst match in club history what was the worst rsl six nil Losing that at home in a rivalry game with two red cards and everything, that's worse for me. Like, that, that is a scar. I will remember that yeah, That in, if you ask me on my deathbed, like, soccer games that I have been to, the five that will stand out most for me, like, that RFL game will be one of those five, unfortunately. So, Not you know, I... Terrible, you know, but yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> so, I mean, just, th- there was no point where, like, they played soccer. Like, they just, they weren't prepared to start out and play well. Philly clearly had a book on them. They did spectacularly what Vancouver did well against them 
you know, a couple of weeks ago now, and just the they couldn't deal with the press to get forward and get set up as well. Giassi's artist was alone on Giassi's artist island, and the only people that he was visited by were center backs for the Philadelphia Union. Um, I hesitate, Mark, to really you know criticize. You know, you, you mentioned Sam Nicholson. If there's one, if there's two players that maybe I'm picking out weren't horrible, I would say Michael Barrios did a little with almost no support or service and being completely surrounded. And for a goalkeeper that gave up six goals and everything like William Yarbrough made some really great saves he's been from a stat standpoint he's been really hard done by a number of score lines in uh, over the course of this year and including on Saturday but I mean just they didn't deal with the press from Philly particularly well um they didn't show up from a composure standpoint their response to getting physical and then getting yellow cards was to further choose violence that ultimately got Gustavo Viasia sent off got two penalties drawn and everything and it was just far too easy for Philly to pass through their lines and you get to those final 15 minutes and like at some point the professionalism and the like the pride has to kick in and everything thing and so I, I just you know it, it was just total capitulation from my standpoint you know Mark and you know I look at a couple of the quotes that they talked about and everything and Robin Frazier said post game to start off the game you know more than anything I'm disappointed in the individual mistakes once we had the red card the game changed completely to give up two goals in 15 minutes he's referring to the first 15 minutes so two goals at 11 11 11 v 11 um you know that's happened far too often this season you know Giassi's artist commented on the defensive shape and how the pressing from him Barrios and Nicholson weren't particularly good and then he had uh, I think maybe it was a throwaway comment Mark maybe he wasn't really thinking about it you know we've both interviewed players after shock results where their head really isn't in there and they say something that if you take it out of context you know it uh can seem really bad you know where he said like the first 10 minutes it seemed okay from a pressing standpoint but then they started switching the field through Kai Wagner that scores the first goal and then the game opens up and I kind of heard that comment in real time in the post-game zoom conversation post-game zoom presser mark and my immediate thought was you know like imagine a Bournemouth player getting interviewed at Anfield at full time on the field and saying you know what guys our game plan really worked for the first two minutes and 27 seconds until Liverpool scored their first goal so I just an all-around band performance I've, I've highlighted the two individuals that I don't think need to take a hard look in the mirror and seriously think about their playing time in the next week or so um I think unfortunately for me that I'll transition this into big thing for me mark uh I think the the big thing is not only this loss but like this is a scar that is hard to come over that is hard to get over they lost in a way that was that's been enigmatic of their season and their weaknesses so far and then they took it to an even another extreme with that i don't know how you back back I don't know how you bounce back from that mentally. And then given the two opponents that you have this week, given the fatigue and everything, Gustavo Viasia out from Wednesday with the red card, Danny Wilson injured as well. I mean, Lawless subbed into this game for Danny and then was taken out presumably because he was on yellow card accumulation and you need him to go 90 minutes on Wednesday. I mean, is it him and Keegan Rosenberry at center back? Do you give Drew Moore the start against Hani Mukhtar? Not only is this loss bad mark, but both from a physical standpoint, given the exhaustion from a uh, uh, from an injury standpoint and from a mental standpoint, this sets them up to have a really terrible situation against Nashville. And I would say that the Nashville game is the most important game of the three-game stretch because Philly was basically a scheduled loss. For me, Mark, they're one of the three best teams in Major League Soccer right now. Pick between them, LAFC and Austin. Um, you know, And then obviously DC, you have to get a result because they're a bad team and everything. But Nashville's your six-pointer. And now they're set up to be severely weakened at the position that has been their single biggest weakness. They give up two or three 
three mistakes, and Hani Mukhtar could easily have a hat trick on Wednesday. This loss will set them up for a tremendous uphill battle on Wednesday, and that's even for me worse and more shocking and more concerning than the scoreline or how we got to that scoreline. Shall we move on to the excitement of the midweek and end-of-week games, Matt? Uh, Well, Mark, I guess my good thing is that at least AFC Bournemouth had it worse, so... Yeah, my good thing was watching Wrexham this week. The uh, the Welcome to Wrexham series dropped, and I really enjoyed it. I think a lot of people could make the, the critical point that, like, it doesn't really differentiate itself much from the Sunderland series or any other soccer series, but it's still really enjoyable, and they do say swear words, which is a lot more fun than your average soccer uh, pod, uh, um, uh, uh, commentary uh, documentary in which they bleep the things. So is that. That's my good thing. <laughs> Other soccer is good. Uh, and Mark, is it on... Uh, I've been watching it on Hulu. Has it been on FX on Wednesdays or on Thursdays? Uh, it drops on Wednesdays, I think. It's dropped on Wednesday. Okay, folks. So worst case scenario, if the Rapids are down a man and down three goals at halftime on Wednesday, then you can just start watching well, uh, Welcome to Wrexham because um, they're, they're still doing it in, in two episode batches as well. Right, Mark? Oh, I don't know. They dropped two for the, for the start. My assumption was they were going to drop one at a time after that. Okay, well, um, you know, I, know. I, I would agree with you, Mark. I would say it's very wholesome and very much more, I'd say, organic and genuine. You know, we've seen some of the all or nothings have a little bit of a PRE spin or have a not full on propaganda like the Juventus or like the FIFA documentary or anything like that. But, you know, like they, you know, Man City clearly had some editorial influence on the, you know, on their all or nothing and everything. I would say, you know, as it went along, Mikel Arteta, um, you know, uh, worked his way into the good graces of the Arsenal all or nothing or anything. Welcome to Wrexham doesn't appear to be like that. It appears to be genuine. And I mean, spoiler alert, Wrexham haven't gotten into the Premier League. So it's really easy to know that they're not spinning this towards something positive. So um, I'm looking forward to it, Mark. I still think that uh, sooner until I die. And then what's the there was an Amazon docu-series that they had that was like, uh, I think it's this is football, but it's like um, it's a um What's the word that I'm thinking of? It's a anthology. It's like six episodes that are not related to each other whatsoever. That are all on Amazon. Right? Yeah, that are really really well done. The one on the women's, the one on the women's World Cup final, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And the one on the little kid in South Africa who has an injury and then his pro career is curtailed, and then he goes on to become like the youngest referee in uh, first division football, like in FIFA history. All really, really, all of them are really well done, but those two for me stand out. So, it, Welcome to Wrexham appears to be in that same schema. Um, obviously, Mark, I think before you or I give any away any more spoilers, let's wait and see the entire thing play out before we put it in the Sunderland till I die category. But oh, I, I, li- I already like it better than Sunderland till I die. But you're, you're right. I should probably wait and see. But it's just, it's just uh, Rob McElhenney is just a joy to watch, and there's a little bit more insiderness. And I think also the first couple episodes, there's a tragicness to watching some guys who buy the team at the end of a season in which the, the things don't go very well. So it's it's uh, they they do some really interesting things there. And, and, uh, and I don't want to spoil it, but it's worth watching. Yeah. So, folks, let's get on to it um, this coming Wednesday. August 31st, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time, the Colorado Rapids will be making their first ever visit to Geodis Park to take on Nashville SC and Gary Smith's side. And then on Sunday, they will be playing at 5.30 p.m. 
Mountain Time at Audi Field to take on DC United. Mark will will tackle the Nashville game first. They kind of had a rough patch a couple weeks ago. Um, They were decent in their opening stretch mark of the road stint that they had obviously got a big win in a game in which the Rapids did not play well and made it too easy for them back at the dick a couple months ago this time now and then now they've started to figure it out more recently and it's basically come down to the defense tightening it up uh them actually getting more productive on set pieces and Hani Mukhtar looking like I'll say a MVP candidate. I won't say an MVP favorite because I think at that point that's Sebastian Driussi's to lose at this point, but he's absolutely fantastic. And if he gets on the ball in a few situations where the Rapids are out of position or if the center backs don't deal with him or anything, he single handedly could win this game in the ways that Ryan Gold single handedly scored everything that Vancouver needed a couple weeks ago. Now, um, Mark, anything less than, you know, Jossie's artist called it a must win. Robin Frazier, you know, said focus on recovery. We have to go again Wednesday. Like there's no time to cry over the spilled milk of the six goals and everything. This is a must win on Wednesday, Mark. And I'm coming. I'm going to come out and say it. Anything less than the best performance of the season, I don't think is is getting the result on Wednesday. So I don't think it's a must win because my take is that this is probably a loss no matter what. And if you get a point from it, it's great. But what is what I'm going to say after that is going to show how ridiculous the statement I just made is, which is it's not a must win because the three games after that against the soft teams that they play, um, which are D.C. United, San Jose, and I forget who the third is, are must wins. That like The Rapids need to take like nine points from their next uh, four matches. You know, they need to take nine points out of 12, um, which is almost certainly not going to happen, uh, which also points out to me that like, I think the death knell of this season happened in Philadelphia, that um, getting hammered six to nothing is super demoralizing. It shows that this team is really, really weak in a lot of areas. Um, and I think the sharks are going to be circling and there's blood in the water. Like, we just look like a team, the Colorado Rapids look like a team that are um, just right on the edge of playing out the string, of just saying to themselves, like, there's not much left in this season. So, um, But to say more about Nashville, I am, I, I am team Hani Mukhtar when it comes to um, MVP. I think he's the best player in the league. I think he's uh, been floating his team really well. There's a lot of, like, not super great players on this team um, or solid players, but not exceptional players. Um, If you look at the numbers for Sean Davis and for Dax McCarty, who are two of the other midfielders, um, statistically speaking, they're very league average or below league average, despite the fact that they're soaking up most of the minutes of the team. And I'm looking at statistics on FB refs um, website, like pressures and tackles and interceptions in which Dax is like in the fifties I'm looking at things on Sean Davis where he's also kind of like mid-tier. Um, they've got some solid support there in addition. Daniel Lovitz is a very solid defender. So is Dan- David Romney on the other side of the fullback position. Walker Zimmerman is still one of the best defenders in the league, although I think he probably is a little bit tired considering he's got to basically be the cent- the most important center back for the U.S. men's national team and the most important center back for his club team. Um, but then after that, there's a lot of fall off. You know, this is a team that's like rolling with a bunch of veteran uh, MLS guys who have never been particularly productive despite 
being given a lot of opportunities and a lot of minutes. Alex Muil, Eric Miller, Anibal Godoy, Brian Ta'anunga, Teal Bunbury, Shaq Moore, right? Like, there's a lot of guys on this roster who are like, fine, they're fine. They're, they're career guys, you know, but they don't produce big numbers. They're kind of league average guys. This is really the Hani Mukhtar show, right? Like, it, And the last thing I'll say is this. Um, if you haven't watched a lot of Hani Mukhtar because you're in the wrong time zone, I've been lucky enough because I live in the East Coast to watch him. He really, and this is the reason I think he's better than Drew C. Matt, he really does everything well. He takes guys on on the dribble really, really well, devastatingly well. His first touch when receiving the ball over his shoulder or from a deep position is insanely good. He always pushes the ball out exactly as far as he needs to on the first touch, or he feathers it down exactly as much as he needs to. His shot taking is really, really good, and his passing is really, really good. I mean, he can go from a dead run and bend an early cross in or hit one backwards into the mixer on the ground just beautifully, and his accuracy on all those things is really, really deadly. I think that's the reason I like him for... Um, I don't think his shooting is as good as Drew I think Drew is one of the best shooting players for MVP, but like I think Mukhtar does everything at like the 85th percentile or above and I think he's exceptional and I love him and the last thing I'll say is this Matt I went googling around this week to say like hey are there any really good deep dive articles about who Honey Mukhtar is on MLS or on the Athletic or on the New York Times or any other sports website and I could find nothing I know nothing about this guy nobody seems to have spent the time to do a big feature on him maybe I'm missing something but I was shocked that this guy has been around this long, has been this successful this year, and he's still kind of, you know, underrated. Maybe it's a language thing, Mark. I'm not sure. I haven't he's seen a German, lot of yeah. media availability. I mean, you'd think he at least is conversational in German, so I'm not sure about that. Um, get on that, people at The Athletic. If he was a Rapids player, we would have done – Mark and I both would have written 2,000-word features on him by now. But, you know, Mark, I, Mark, I, I just – I look at this midfield and, yeah, say what you will about Andy Belgadoy and Sean Davis and everything, but at the same time, I look at this Rapids midfield and I think that's like the, – the, the Rapids midfield is going to get eaten up by those types of guys. You know, Dax McCarty would have no trouble bypassing what's going on in the Rapids midfield right now. I do think they'll obviously be a lot better with Brian Acosta in, you know, Colin Warner was thrown to the wolves on Saturday. He was put in a position, he was put in a position to fail and it was absolutely not his fault. And he was maybe one of the other guys who I didn't feel absolutely horrible about at the full time whistle and everything. But, you know, I just, I look at it and I see what's that midfield going to do short of Diego Rubio having a top five performance of the season from him. Walker Zimmerman looks like, you know, he'll have his hands full with Jossie's artists, but then that'll make things much easier for everybody else as well. I imagine Daniel Lovitz, who he's paired up against on the outside position, he probably wins that battle. And just again, this team making mistakes against a team that is, uh, you know, is well organized defensively, presses extremely well, and has an elite attacker that will punish mistakes. Just this looks like another recipe. I, I've seen this game before, before it's even, you know, 48 hours before it's even kicked off. And so that's my biggest concern about that. And I should say, folks, that, you know, we just played 
the Vancouver Whitecaps and lost to them. And Nashville beat them 3-0. There was a red card in the 53rd minute. Um, all three of the goals for Nashville did come before that red card to Cavallini, and they did a heavy amount of squad rotation. CJ Sapong didn't start in that game. Walker Zimmerman, Daniel Lovitz both had the nights off. Honey Mukhtar did play as well. So, I mean, Mark, this is a team that, against disorganized non-playoff teams that don't play well in the first half, Nashville clowns them. And I think just... We're going to lose 3 nothing. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, if I had to pick right now, I'd say a multi-goal loss, absolutely. And so I just, I think this is the kind of game where Gary Smith, again, maybe gets a little riled up given the opponent and given the history he has with the club historically. And then the team looks at this and thinks, you know, we, we just got in form and everything. You know, we got a big home win at Dallas. We maybe are shaking off the, uh, you know, the jinx that we've had of not playing well at home and everything. We just got a big six point win against Vancouver. There's another one of these things and it's at home. And I think they have another home game that they also, everybody in MLS has a double game week this week for the most part, folks. So I think they're looking at this and thinking if we get four points or six points out of this, particularly, we're looking at, we're starting to gain some steam, gain some momentum going into the stretch run of the playoffs and everything and in that the Rapids are the sacrificial lamb for one of the new it boy expansion markets of Major League Soccer. Mark shall we move on to the the fighting DC Wazas? Let's do it the Wazas the uh, the Luca Lucha Roos who no longer have Lucha or Rue really as players but oh well. Yeah, um, so folks, uh, DC United on Saturday at Audi Field, um, who recently just hired uh, Wayne Rooney, formerly a player for DC United, who's now taken over as head coach. They made a couple moves, Mark, mostly signing guys from the English Championship that Wayne Rooney would be familiar with and everything, uh, similar to, I think, a lot of struggling teams right now in MLS. They've got a, a... I wouldn't say a dead roster or anything, but you know, similar to Nashville, they've got a lot of career MLS guys that are underperforming and maybe a little bit over the hill. You know, their big center back would be Steve Birnbaum, who I don't think has had a particularly good season, but I still think he is capable of being a very good center back. Obviously, Bill Hamid in goal, Ola Kamara, former supposed Colorado Rapids target or at least suggested player that the Rapids could be pursuing. Um, their big star player that they've added is Taxi Fantas, who will score a hat trick in a shock win out of no and then be completely absent for another um, game as well. Um, and then it's kind of filling in with a bunch of other guys. Like I said, they've added a bunch of new players, so those guys are still trying to gel. This is a team that's almost starting their rebuild early, knowing that they're not going to get anything out of this season. And it's just, can we fit in some new guys? Can we see what new pieces can get settled for the David Goss theorem for 2023. Can we figure out whose scrap heap that we need to get rid of? And then what guy's coming in knowing that Wayne Rooney just signed, what, like a four-year contract that he's going to be here longer than them, ultimately want to fight for their spot, and then be here for the revitalization of their club. This is kind of a bogey team as well for me, Mark. Um, They're bad, but at the same time, I think they've probably resigned themselves to the fate of their season and they're just playing for maybe individually getting it together and then vibes with no pressure and absolutely zero expectations outside of proving themselves individually to their manager. And in that, that makes them particularly dangerous. And I think especially it's tough given the Rapids at no point folks are coming back to Colorado. So they went from uh, they went from Colorado to Philly for the weekend. They flew to Nashville that night. I presume uh, sometime by Thursday, late afternoon at the latest mark, they'll be landing in D.C. This could be an exhausted team. And then depending on what happens to them uh, on Wednesday, who knows what the Rapids look like from an availability standpoint as well. I mean, 
Mark, this is a bad team, so you want any hope of making the playoffs. You've already resigned. We both resigned that Wednesday is probably a loss, so a draw will feel like a win. But, I mean, you're talking about playing potentially a wooden spoon candidate on the road and everything. This has to be three points if you want any chance, I think, of fighting your way back into the playoffs at this point. Pretty much. I mean, that's it's it's pretty critical that, that you, you do that. I just want to make uh, uh, one note, which is um, Bill Hamid was – Injured this past week, so the starting goalkeepers were David Ochoa. Oh God! Who came over from RSL and John Kempen on the bench, which is there's a there's a name from the past. But um, and then also a lot of the like known MLS guys that you were talking about, Matt. <clears throat> they also were on the bench uh, for this game. So Ola Kamara, uh, Miguel Berry, uh, Berry, Donovan Pines, who's been with this team for a little while from the academy, and Chris Oroyatsem. Um, all coming off the bench. One interesting name of a guy who uh, is one of these new guys they're trying to make something of is Jamaican Ravel Morrison, uh, who um, got a goal in his last match. Um, he doesn't have a lot of points uh, because he hasn't had a lot of runs so far. Um, but he's, to your point, Matt, uh, a guy that uh, was brought over from England. Uh, seven matches, 574 minutes. He played for Derby County um, uh, with... Uh, um, uh, Wayne Rooney uh, as his manager, but he has a long and storied career of bouncing around the league uh, and a p- couple different leagues. He's played at Sweden, he's played for Sheffield, he played for Lazio, he played for QPR, played for Atlas in, in Liga Ameki. So, interesting guy. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit left in that tank. He's only um, 29 years old, but uh, I guess, you know, Waza saw something in him and thought. Let's let's bring him in and see if he can do things. Now, does that tra- translate to resurrecting this team's career and getting them, you know, into the playoffs? No, certainly not. But but like you said, it, it may help them build for the future. Um, Taxi Fontas is is fun to watch. Steve Birnbaum is still holding it down. Andy Nahar, uh, former you know exciting potential U.S. men's national team guy who eventually went over to I think he's on the El Salvador national team um, and went from being a striker to being a fullback. Um, always fun to watch. He looked really good in um, CONCACAF qualifiers uh, going back before. So, you know, this is this is a talented team. They can do things to you. They're, they're solid at home. Their record has been atrocious, though. I mean, I think they have one win in their last, like, nine matches. Is that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, that's right. Um, and two in their last, like, ugh, 20, 15, 18 matches. They don't win a lot. So the Rapids getting a draw seems like almost basic math. That statistically speaking, you roll the dice and DC United comes up snake eyes almost every week. But, you know, that's a trap game on some level for the Rapids. They they kind of are going into playing another bad team. And so this is one of those moments where both teams are like, we can get three points here. And maybe they both show up and it's clown college all over the place. I don't know, man. This one's a tough one to call. Last thing that I'll say, Mark, on Rafael Morrison is uh, he came over from Derby County. He was with Wayne Rooney for that kind of trepid season that they had with ownership fallout and then points deduction and them kind of resigning themselves to a sinking ship. And they almost fought back. I think it was the fifth of the sixth to last match day. Um, they got relegated. But then if you took out the points deduction, they would have comfortably been mid table as well. That would have relegated Birmingham City, who is now where 
uh, Austin Trusty obviously is playing. And so that team was kind of patched together of like veterans that were trying to stay up, knowing that that would mean that Darby County would keep them and then under new ownership would revitalize the club. So they were kind of fighting for their staying in the English championship as opposed to taking a huge pay cut to go down to League One. And so there were like four or five guys in their late 20s and early 30s that were kind of one core. And then it was basically a bunch of homegrown academy players because they were cheap and Darby County couldn't sign anybody because they didn't have any money. So it was basically it was a bunch of teenagers and then a bunch of old vets trying to hold the club together. And they almost did it. And Ravel Morrison was one of those bright spots on a season that ultimately, you know, saw, you know, Darby County almost burn to the ground and everything. So, um, um, he has a very good relationship, obviously, with Waza. Waza obviously values him and everything, and so we'll see what he can do as far as the project. But he would be the he would he would be the one that I would think that Rapids fans might not be as familiar with, given he's a new signing. Like, if nothing else, you've probably seen a highlight reel from Taxi Funtus this year. You already know about Ola Kamara. You already know about Steve Birnbaum. You already know about um, Russell Canals, for example. He'd be the one that you'd kind of be less familiar with. That maybe will be surprised by some of his quality. Not knowing him or having not seen him play before on Saturday. But so, um, you know, I guess, Mark, I'm, I'm going to say this. I have a comfortable loss for the Rapids on Wednesday. I do say that I do think they get a nil-nil or a 1-1 draw on Sunday. Excuse me. I think we get a win. I think we get a win. I think we get a 2-1 win, a hard-fought 2-1 win coming back just to give us a tiny glimmer of hope before they ultimately uh, shoot themselves in the foot over the next two matches and then end the season by playing a series of meaningless matches before uh, mostly empty crowds. What a grim way of looking at the end of the season. <laughs> I'm like very pessimistic. Like Mark, we're we're both in agreement that like these last three games, like the Rapids are not a playoff team, right? Like it will take something unpredicted and like it would take like them, it, it would take them completely changing who they've been the last several months in order to make the playoffs. It's so weird. We've been talking all year about, um, you know, this team being better than they've played and have some bad luck and da, 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 and all these different things. And then for the last like four matches, we're basically like looking at each other like, no, no, these are the real Rapids and they're not very good. You know, they, they have some they have bright spots. They have players who can show up and do things, but they're really not a good enough soccer team in Major League Soccer in the modern era. They're just not getting it done. And I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being reactionary because of uh, what's happened just in the last game. But like, you look at this lineup, and it's like Sam Nicholson and Colin Werner and um, Gustavo Vallecia, and you're like, these guys are not good enough. They're not like an MLS team should not be starting these guys. And respect to Sam. I like Sam. He's a nice guy. But he's um, he's he's a guy you want as your 23rd or 18th option. You don't really want to start him. You know, I mean, he's he should be break in case of emergency like Colin Werner and like Drew Moore. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm just pulling up the table right now, Mark, and there's there's still only there's still only five points away from the LA Galaxy who are in seventh on thirty-seven points. So, you know, if they, if they somehow pull uh, you know, a six point week out of their hat and everything, we could be having, you know, a very different conversation. I think the thing for me, more so than looking at the table in a vacuum, is just like how many teams they would have to jump. And like one of Seattle, LA, Portland, Vancouver, somebody's gonna go on a run. And then that just makes it even further that you have to do. And it's just there's nothing 
that tells me that, you know, this team has it going forward. You know, I've resigned to the fact that I would not bring Jossie's artists back, certainly not back at that number. I think there's a serious evaluation that needs to happen as far as the defensive players are concerned you know, and everything. And just this team is not dangerous enough against good teams and good defenses without Diego Rubio. And if you're not getting Diego Rubio at his best for 180 minutes, then that's going to make these two games even harder. Well, I think I'm going to say something really awful that we've never conceived of this this time out, Matt, which is we need to stop looking at moving up to the seventh spot in the table. And we need to start looking down at the possibility that we finish in the golden spoon race golden spoon wooden spoon race dc united dc's on 22 points no it's it's almost impossible for dc to make a run but i'm thinking more of like the 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 proverbial non-existent wooden spoon race in just the western conference where it's entirely possible that like you know and i know it's just for pride but like i would like to finish 10th 10th would be nice right 11th would be okay which is where we're at now but I really see a world where both Sporting and San Jose pass us, and I definitely can see a world where Houston passes us too. And like finishing second to last is really embarrassing, but it's better than last. And I really do think that like I think Sporting is putting things together. They've looked really good the last couple matches. They've added a few um, interesting young players who've just started to turn it up. I think Sporting is definitely going to pass us. The question for me is whether Vancouver sinks. Whether Portland, who's looked awful, just I think Portland looks awful lately, um, and whether San Jose um, stay up above us. So, I, you know, that's where I'm at. I mean, that's how pessimistic I am that I think, like, forget about talking about the playoffs. Let's talk about not finishing 14th. Should I, should I get us out of here? <laughs> you got something. You got one last pessimistic thing to say before we. Before our, our listeners all go off to stick their heads in an oven. Uh, I'll be willing to have that conversation when the Rapids are closer points-wise and then take into account games in hand to the 14th team in the Western Conference compared to the 17th team in the Western Conference. At time of recording, the Rapids are five points away from the LA Galaxy in 7th, and they are six points away from the Houston Dynamo in 14th. So I am not ready to have the conversation about who is fitting, who is finishing in rock bottom of the Western Conference. But yes, Rabbi, let's get out of here, please. All right. Our sponsors are Icarus FC and Rockfinex Scars, the makers of custom-made kits and uh, neckwear for your events, for your team, whatever you want, custom colors, custom designs. They'll even make the designs for you, and they have a great back catalog of interesting stuff that they have not sold and can give you at a cut rate discount. Matt, tell them how to hit us on the socials, how to read our written material, including upcoming part two of my interview with Jack Price and uh, how to send us an email or support our fine work. <sighs> at soccer underscore rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard, at Rapids 96 podcast. Those are all of our Twitter handles. Pittsburgh soccer now. Last word on sports.com backslash soccer. Holding the high line dot substack dot com for all of our written content. Go to our substack page if you want to view us in web form. Get a uh, subscribe to our email newsletter or become a paid highliner. Five bucks a month or forty-two bucks for the year. Uh, and then if you want to email us, rapids ninety-six podcast at gmail.com. And you can also tweet using the hashtag AskHTHL to ask us questions and we'll either respond to you via Twitter um, or we will answer your questions on the podcast. Um, 
you know, folks, I, I, for the, anyone who is still listening to this, I want to thank you for your listenership, your viewership, your interactions with us. This has been a really, really bad season, obviously. We value every single person in this community, regardless of disagreements we have on opinions about the team, regardless of how negative or positive you are or how you feel that our opinions are unjustified or, um, you know, or, or – or off from yours watching your team like be really bad and then have their season go down the toilet is not fun i assume listening to a podcast where two guys lament about that actively happening is not fun we value every single person that downloaded and clicked play on this podcast on that note watch the two games this week focus on your mental health if you can't make it through the end of those two completely understand uh and then when in doubt just watch welcome to Rexham, i suppose uh listeners we'll see you next week Peace.